What's good, YouTube? This video is going to be about being fit for love. Sometimes love just can't meet us where we are. Sometimes we have to make some adjustments. Sometimes we need to make some improvements. And sometimes we need to practice some self-mastery before love can find us. It's not always the other person. Sometimes we are toxic. Sometimes we are the problem. Story time, a lot of y'all might get this. I grew up in the projects, the hood, a bad place. Trying to find love as an unchecked, unbalanced person can be like trying to order pizza in a bad neighborhood. I remember being hungry as a kid, asking my mom, can we order something to eat, a pizza or a sub or something? If she said yes, that was the first obstacle that I'd overcome. The second obstacle, the more important and more difficult obstacle, was finding a restaurant that actually delivered to my shitty neighborhood. I would call place after place and they would answer. The phone would ring. Papa John's Pizza? Hey, uh, uh, y'all delivered to Hilltop Homes? Oh, oh, okay. All right, thank you. Cassano's Pizza? Hey, uh, y'all delivered to Hilltop Homes? Oh, oh, no. Oh, okay. Thank you. Donato's Pizza? Hey, uh, y'all delivered to Hilltop Homes? No? Oh, okay. Thank you. This would go on until I found a restaurant desperate enough for a sale or brave enough to send one of their employees to our bad neighborhood. As a kid, I just remember I would jump for joy if anybody actually said, yeah, yeah, sure, we deliver there. What would you like to eat? Would you like to hear our special for the evening? Boy, would I? <laughs> Man, if I got to, would you like to hear our special for the evening? It was a great night. Usually it was some story about how an employee got robbed and they would never deliver over there again. Anyway, my point is this. Our neighborhood wasn't one considered fit for delivery. Side note, I suppose this is a good illustration of why children who grow up in impoverished neighborhoods grow up to be adults with such low standards. Literally just getting a pizza delivered to you seems like an accomplishment. Doesn't set the bar too high. You know, in elementary school, I would often see classmates work really hard to get straight A's because they wanted to be doctors and lawyers. On the contrary, my four C's and two B's were sufficient enough for my 10-year-old goal at the time to just live in a neighborhood that every restaurant delivered to. Or to drive a $1,000 car with $3,000 rims on it. Or to wear really nice clothes around my really bad neighborhood. To be the best dressed poor person on the block. You develop the standards of your tribe or your surroundings. It's hard to be successful if you haven't experienced or witnessed successful people. If you have no real reference to what success looks or feels like. Just the same, moving away from the example of poverty, it's hard to be a healthy lover if you've never experienced or witnessed healthy love. It's hard to be a great communicator if you've never been a recipient of great communication. If you've never seen a healthy argument between two people who love each other, it can be a very tall task to develop non-destructive ways of communicating anger and frustration. If you've been exposed to a toxic relationship for long enough or you grew up around toxic people, it's a high likelihood that you've become a lot like the people or environments that you've endured for so long. It's possible that you've become that bad neighborhood or dangerous decision for someone else who was seeking love. And maybe, like my old neighborhood, Love don't deliver over there, at least not healthy love. We often look outward to find reasoning for our experiences. 
and that habit often misdirects us. As many of you know, I do phone consultations. Many times, the person who is ill-equipped to date or love or the person who has the toxic issue that's causing the problem in their relationship will order a call to ask me about the other person that they're dating or chasing. What's their problem? Oftentimes, in trying to figure it out, they've already considered everything but their own shortcomings. Their standards for themselves, their love, their communication, their habits have been set so low that they're finding it hard to attract and then keep partners. They don't even realize that what they've offered love thus far is unacceptable by many people's standards. That they themselves offer a sort of impoverished love. Many of them are impoverished mentally, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. They sometimes lack real intimacy or the ability to trust or adapt. People with better emotional backgrounds or healthier relationship experiences aren't going to accept the toxicity that they've been so accustomed to giving and receiving. Going back to my first example, although we could have driven to any city in the restaurant and picked our own food up, and any of them would have taken our money at the counter, very few restaurants were desperate enough for the sale that they would come to us and deliver their goods to us as a service. In the same way, there's no shortage of men who will take your sex, but very few are desperate enough to take your shit if you have toxic habits. If you're in a bad place emotionally, when they see it, most won't go where you are to meet you. And that's because after a man measures your hips, thighs, ass, and tits, he assesses whether or not you're safe, like those restaurants did in my neighborhood. Assess yourself honestly. If you're having trouble connecting with men on more than the sexual level, make sure the other things that you are presenting to a relationship are desirable. Make sure that you are a safe place for love. Make sure you are in need of some counseling, some rehabilitation, or some self-mastery before you just give up or you get desperate. And this advice obviously can go both ways. The difference on average is this though. Men are much more self-preserving than women in relationships. We often hear about the fragile male ego, but I can promise you it's much more complicated than that. It's easy to use that as an excuse when you don't understand the nature of men to protect themselves from women who present a threat to them emotionally. Women often see the whorish and silly behavior of men and say, well, we can do it too. Two can play at that game and then they go screw a bunch of guys in the name of girl power. And while it may be pleasurable, because we all have our needs, in the long term, it can be very traumatic for a woman's psyche. I really wish women knew the value of that fragile ego they despise so much. I wish they knew that the most valuable behavior that they can mimic from a man is his nature to self-preserve, his fragile ego. There's so many jokes and memes and narratives about if a woman cheats, how men can't handle it even if they cheat all the time? Or how men can dish it but they can't take it? So my question is this, why do women take it? So many women pride themselves on their ability to take shit and be tested in their relationships. The biggest test you should face as a couple should be you two battling the world together, not each other. So yes women, you can do it too. You can self-preserve. You can self-preserve from bad family, friends, situationships, and relationships. That way you don't absorb and ultimately embody all the toxic mess you've been around. So you don't become a place way too dangerous and unsafe for a good partner to bring their love to. There comes a time for all of us where we have the potential to be great, but we must first do the work of getting our mental and emotional health in order. Before we can invest ourselves into a relationship. 
men included. Just because we sometimes refuse to see our own brokenness doesn't mean other people can't. Make sure you are stable, happy, and whole, and make sure you are first in love with yourself and who you're becoming, and then go add that to someone else. Before you find love, make sure you're fit for love. I think I've said enough. I'll get with y'all later.